With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation. Mike Cation with you and our thanks to our sponsor, New Balance, for all of their hard work over the last couple of years, making sure I look good and you can look good as well by going to newbalance.com and checking out all of their wares as they prepare for the Wimbledon kits and beyond. This one is, I, I feel like this has been a podcast with Noah Rubin. Um, frankly, that's been, uh, we've been kind of heading towards this for like a year uh, you and I recorded one that went really poorly last April. Um, we've been talking about doing one since, but I feel like a lot has happened in your life uh, yes. in that last year. Um, so let's, I, I want to set the stage for everybody as they're listening to this. First off, it's on the new recorder. Um, you're only, Alex Rybakov got to, got to do a podcast with me on this, okay. National Indoors. You are the second. I Congratulations. Mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. To say the least. Multiple actual microphones with a real recorder as it's opposed to too professional. No, I know. Like I'm the, <laughs> I'm the most unprofessional broadcaster there is. I think that's very clear. Oh god. Um but yeah, so it's it's nice. It's actually this is much better audio, so I'm I'm hoping everybody appreciates it. But on top of it, uh we are in your hotel room. Yes. That for the day, I believe, as I still see his airline tickets are directly in front of me. <laughs> but uh Martin Redlicky, you're nice enough to share the hotel room. But yeah. uh, it's been an interesting day for me. I've I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with you, with Marty. Uh, it is a, it's a rain delay yes. here in Little Rock that washed out the entire day. You've got two matches to prepare for potentially tomorrow. The first one being with Ty Kwiatkowski, good training friend, uh, good friend in general, and then a, potentially a second match. So first off, thanks for letting me spend the day with you. Of course, uh, it was it was quite enlightening. Um, and, and again appreciate you taking the time before you potentially have a, a double match day tell me what it's like for a player knowing that you know it's one thing if you have to kind of sit and wait at a tennis court it's another one where you actually have just a, a washout day where you're not able to do anything tennis related what do you do yeah i mean actually this one worked out better than most i mean they canceled the matches far earlier than most tournaments would yeah um which helps everybody out. I mean, we're, we're usually stuck within hotels, tournaments, whatever it is, waiting and saying, oh, you're going to play an hour from now when we look outside and it's clearly not going to be an hour from now. And they only did that once. And that was, I mean, that's a tremendous improvement. Yeah. <laughs> um, given once we get past this whole idea that we're not playing today, we are understanding that there's not too many days left in the week and we're going to have to get the matches in somehow. And that leads to the two days and, it's daunting to say the least, you know, the sport that's not tough enough and you add double the amount of work in a day and it's like, well, you have to win the first one to get to the second one, yeah. but you're already thinking about the second one. So it's almost like a lose-lose and, but in the end, we're all playing on the same playing field, which is nice because I've definitely had some matches where that is not the case, where yeah. my second match is somebody's first match and that has been incredibly frustrating. I mean... You know, I had one a few years ago where I played, finished a match with Brian Baker, um, where it was only two all or something like that in the first, and then won that match in three sets, then played Ryan Harrison, and I lost in three. And then last year against Isner, um, people really don't understand that I had to come back that night at 11 p.m. to play another match to try to progress. And, you know, and I got my first top 10 win, was an easy match, and then to play Andre Rublev to try to progress. I mean, that is some frustrating stuff. But, you know, we have some even playing fields tomorrow, and we're just, uh, just got to go with the flow. That's the challenger tour. If you don't, <laughs> you jump out of a window. <laughs> so what's, what's, you know, I've gotten to experience it. It, it was... If you don't mind me telling, obviously we we I even said it to Martin so that he would know everything that was said within the room completely off the record. So yes. those those conversations are are cherished <laughs> and and we'll leave them there. Um, but I, you're just sitting here playing video games, 
I mean, just shooting the shit as as people would say, and and I mean that's that's it, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure a few people are aware, and you're aware. You know, I have a few ventures going on right now. Yeah. We'll get into those later, but you know, and there is a time and place for them. There are so many hours that I can use productively. There are some hours where I just have to literally sit down. And just mess around, um, you know, just hang out, <laughs> ease the brain a little bit, ease the mind. There's enough frustration and uh, anxiety that goes on in the tennis world. Sometimes you just have to put everything aside and play a little FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was heated. It was heated. Yeah, the FIFA turns into its own little world. Um, yeah. But it was a tough day to Marty, for Marty, to say the least. You know, it was, it was more than a few losses um, that ended in anger. Um, and obviously, he can't beat me up because I'm stronger than him. So it's all those things combined. It's truly de- detrimental. He's he's a very uh, he's a witty guy. I it, getting to spend time with him. It's you know I, I I do take pride as a broadcaster trying to get to know you guys as players as much as I can off the court. And that was really the first time I'd gotten to spend time with Marty. Yes, he's a very smart, funny kid. Yes, no, um, you are in a unique scenario where. You're kind of one of us without being one of us, yeah. and I'm much too fat. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily saying the, you can do what we can do. The alcohol is another issue, but we'll, we'll, that's, that's another podcast. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But with that being said, um, which is why I give you so much credit, and where I see you progressing is the relationships you have made have gotten you to a point to truly understand almost to the best anybody else besides the tennis players themselves understand what we go through what we're feeling you've gone to know us very well um and these moments like this i mean that just adds to it i mean you're you're learning what kind of people we truly are and what goes through our minds you know even if it's uh hyperbole or not i mean this is this is what we're thinking (laughs) so so let's let's go down that path um i when i say at the start that I feel like we've been kind of heading towards this for a year. Yes. Um, I, I do mean in my head, uh, just kind of this joining of, uh, and you and I have talked about this off the, off the microphone, but what I've been trying to do with this podcast is in some way, shape or form, similar to what you've been trying to do with behind the racket. It's now six months in for you. Um, it is obviously gone in different routes. Um, it has, is, been such a big deal Ted Koppel down here and, and doing a story on not only that but you know the challenge your life um, I, I'm interested how it's changed your life since and your your outlook um, not only on the sport but just I, I, this is really broad I know but yes. humanity um, in general um, and, and you've talked about how you kind of pattern it after um, humans of New York yes so I'm interested in how that has really changed your outlook not only in the sport like i said but just people in general yeah um i'll preface with saying that you know the people that truly know me truly understand that i love people no matter how much of a cynic i am (laughs) and the people that know me know i'm a cynic in certain from long island yes (laughs) from you know in certain regards you know i have a you know i have a certain mentality um, an expectation for people, for myself, um, and it, it comes out in certain ways. But at the same time, I love meeting people, learning about them, finding their path. And, you know, I have to say there were times where I had interesting outlooks on certain tennis players, um, thinking that they were somewhat one-dimensional. And and I apologize for those thoughts. I mean, not that I really told many people about them, but just to whoever was listening in my head, I do apologize. I mean this is even opening my eyes to you know everybody has that story you know the same line everybody tells but it's true everybody's gone through something that makes them the person they are and then once until you find that out you can't have these you know notions or or any ideas about that person because you don't really know what makes them who they are and you don't know why they tick or why they do a b and c um so doing this behind the racket is really truly giving me the opportunity to meet people, meet people that I haven't met already, or even gone to, you know, way closer with friends, really close friends, but I've gone so much closer with them just because I've given them the ability to share their story. Um, and it's restored faith in humanity. I, I've somehow produced something that is 
organic in a way that is non-political and is a safe space in a way. And I, I've gotten those comments on the Behind the Racket Instagram and Facebook saying it is so strange to go on a page and not read negative thoughts. Mm. Not, you know, hear that somebody was hurt and they should have switched rackets or they should have done this and I can't believe you didn't think this way. It's just like we support you. That's just the ongoing effort of everybody who's commenting. They're like, we're here for you. We support you. And God, in this day and age with everything that's taking place, how often does that truly right. happen? Right. I mean, almost never at this point. Um, and starting this, I didn't really know what direction to take it in. But I, and I've always had this idea, but it's, it's given me this feeling of responsibility in a way that I feel the need to do more. Mm. I feel the need to even get a greater audience to, to open their minds to, like I've been saying for the past few months, you know, get tennis to a place where, you know, it, it gets the respect it deserves and, and allows the players to have the respect it deserves. So it, it's not only growing the sport of tennis, it's just, it's just, you know, having some good in this world, you know, just some honest good that we, it, it's very tough to find nowadays. Has it taken away from your tennis? Has it taken away from my tennis? Indirectly, yes, but the project itself is not. I am... <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a tough... There are so many more paths. It's not just an easy yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, since talking, um, I've had some realizations on my own terms um, of where, you know, I see myself taking it. And then I'm getting to the conclusion that tennis is not at a space right now that is conducive to A, success, and B, happiness. And that's why I'm finding myself in a spot where, because I absolutely truly love the sport. I mean, I am practicing and I am loving the sport. It is incredible. I love being out there. But we are so far behind. It is so antiquated in the system. And the percentages are so low where you actually are successful. There's no stability. It, it just doesn't make it... It's just really... It's really not okay at this point. And um, I know people are getting fed up, but they don't have other paths. And through this BTR and other things that I'm doing and all these other ideas that I have, it's given me kind of a platform to explore those options. And this doesn't mean that I am stopping tennis because I still love playing and I still will be playing and competing as hard as I can. Um, but I have a few other things on my plate that I really want to get, you know, get across and almost this responsibility um, because I don't know who else will. Keep drinking water um, <laughs> because, again, I, I said one of the things that was really important for me is, yes, you you have two matches tomorrow, so we're going to be talking. It dries out your throat. It does dehydrate <laughs> you. Trust me. I know this from experience. It does dehydrate you just a little bit, so please keep drinking water, and uh, that's, that's, that's something, again – father coach whatever <laughs> it might be it. like I, yeah it's just it's just part of it's who innate. i am um it's an interesting complex answer um because of the fact that i i think um people don't know the amount of time it, it takes to put together some of you know there's it's one thing to do the basic instagram post right. it's another thing to do some of the extra stuff that now that you're starting to do what's your average if, if so, take this week. I don't know how many you're going to end up posting this week. Right. How many hours do you think or estimate you're putting into that? Um, just you know, the the post a post itself may only take let's say two two and a half hours per post. Yeah. Total of time of of getting the interview done. I mean, that's not really counting trying to get the person, you know, right, to, yeah, to meet yeah. me and all that time it takes. I know like, that oh, problem. I am sure you know that very <laughs> well. It's, uh, are you free now? Yeah. Two minutes later, uh, you know, I have to get over right, here. Right, just, right. You know, I used to. I'm, I'm the tennis player myself, so I understand, but it's difficult. But the actual post of, of recording, taking the picture, um, scribing, transcribing what they have recorded, what I have recorded – and then editing it, sending it back to them, um, getting other, you know, my, my girlfriend and best friends to edit them and help me out, and then sending it back to the player for the final approval. 
Um, you know, that takes about two, two and a half hours. I don't think people truly understand what else goes into it, all the phone calls I'm making to try to expand the brand of BTR and, you know, the few other ventures that I have that are all surrounding this main idea. Um, and that's really what takes up my time is the combining ventures and, and what I'm trying to, you know, seek through all of this. Um, you know, that I have two, three phone calls a day sometimes, um, just trying to make people aware, seeing who I can collaborate with that have the same mentality and really um, just trying to get a team together and to make some real pushes in this in this field. So if you had to sum up, what if if you have the, like you're, you're heading onto Wall Street and trying to make like that 30 second pitch, what are you trying to seek with this? I mean, I'm, and I'm, you could talk about it for 10 minutes and I know you could. Yes. Give me the 30 second pitch. The 30 second pitch. Right now, in my eyes, tennis is one of the least promotable sports. And that is the combination of the system of tennis and not giving the players who are a part of tennis the outlet and platform to share their story and to be open to fans and connect with them. And I think the change of both of those combined can get tennis to a place where you see it 30 years in the future and it's not dying out and when we and it's on ESPN and and it you know names are household names where Dominic Team is not walking around New York City unrecognized as we have recently seen. Yeah. So that is my pitch and there's a lot that goes into it and there's many steps that I have and we will get to and talk about tonight but that is my pitch for you. Okay. Um, Vague in a way, but... Yeah, no, I know. Um, so how much of that is institutional? How much of that is individual? Um, and, and how much of that will be organic versus forced, I don't know, yes. institutional change? I'll preface it by saying that some other players had ideas like I had and we would work together, yes, that would create change in itself. I'll also say the system is not in place for the players to have the platform necessary to spread the word. So I think Players to, outside of like the top 10. Yes, I of think course. that's important to say. That is important to say. No, that is 100%. Thank you for catching me on that because we see them. We yeah. see the top 10 players. Um, so... So with that being said, it's a combination of the players have to understand their responsibility and have to be a little bit more unselfish in their ways, which is tough in an individual sport. But the biggest aspect of is the changes I want to see for tennis um, with breaking tradition, but it would only lead tennis to, I feel, um, a more suitable and sustainable place. How much do you, this is going to sound really weird, I know that, how much do you watch Twitch streams of gamers, if at all? Are, are you familiar with them? I'm familiar. I've seen a few, I think I've seen some documentaries, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, yeah. I'm trying to compare it, you know, golf is one thing. Yes. It's a, Twitch and, and video game streaming obviously has taken off in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Those are individual I don't know, competitors, I guess, of right. tennis. Right, my in cousin some way. even does some of it on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so you look at Twitch especially is one where you are able to advertise the hell out of yourself, get sponsors, an easy medium. What happens for you mm -hmm. if you were to go on court tomorrow with... Uh, let's just let's just say Nike just for what well, I'm sorry let's just say K-Swiss <laughs> sorry yes uh, and just have a massive logo across your chest what yes. happens right um, I am immediately told to remove it and if not you will be followed by a fine which has been done I actually tried to wear a behind the racket hat during just a warm-up of the doubles match and I was told that if this wasn't removed even if it was not put in my bag or, or put a towel over, that if it was seen in camera, I would be fined. This is one of the many issues with the sport of tennis. I mean, I think we are focused on the wrong points. I told you this before. I got an email from Wimbledon stating that pearl and all these other hues of white should not be worn and to make sure that it was not worn. I get it. 
it's amazing that we all wear white. It's a, it's just the tradition, the sight of it. It's great. That's not where our heads should be at. I should not be getting emails on this. This is, we're so far behind in our thought. We're, it's so, we're not even looking into the future. We're not trying to see where the sport can be can become. We're looking at where it was 50 years ago. Yeah, it's incredible. And yeah, it's minimal, but changes have to be made just to the thoughts, just to the mentality. Because I should be dressed like a NASCAR driver. I should be head to toe in sponsors. It would, you know, it, it would get the name of tennis out because sponsors would be part of it. They would be on TV. And also allows me to have my own brands and make some money off this sport. I mean, you're telling me in sport that I don't make money in just because of how tennis is, that I have to make less money, that you're taking away opportunity for me to make money in? It is unfathomable that they have this notion that it's okay that that what they're doing what they're stopping us from becoming and then i mean this was behind the racket this was my own venture i couldn't even get the word out and that's that was one of the many things that you know i'm kind of writing a book ish i don't know where it's going with it but just ideas on paper that was the first thing that i saw was we need to be decked out if you can get a, a sponsor to put a patch on you you should be wearing that patch I don't care if it's on your forehead. That's just how it is. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I thunderstorms. Awesome. Yeah. We like, it's hard to do like this t tournament <laughs> when like people are like in downtown little rock are worried about their houses flooding. Right. I mean, right? yeah, it's absolutely. And, and we're talking about you being able to make money. And I think people will hear that aspect and say, I mean, come on, you should be doing it for, for the love of the game and all of that kind of stuff. Uh thousand percent and i'm not sure if you saw my second behind the racket post that i posted about myself um people were like you have to post another one because the first one you did didn't tell us anything so i posted um a second one recently and i stated it saying that to start this off if you think i'm ungrateful if you think that it's arrogance if you're getting all these other ideas from what i'm saying it's understandable but what i'm saying is that I'm, I'm in a world that deserves more respect for, for what it encompasses, for what I'm trying to do, and I'm getting the bare minimum of it. And also there's, there's room for improvement, but nobody sees it. Mm. And the changes that are being made are so minimal, and they think it's just these crazy, insane changes, like with the ITF and everything. They think they're, it's mind-blowing. I'm talking about full changes of tennis. I mean... What they're doing and going back and forth, they seem lost to me. Mm -hmm. And I understand. And, I, and I've spoken to a lot of people, part of the ATP and tournaments, and there is work being done. And I respect that. And I respect that they understand that there are issues going on. But with that being said, I think the steps that we're taking are so minute and so small that you won't, you won't see that. We're not seeing the changes. You're telling me that I'm going to get plus eight so I get a few more places with, you know, three, you know, housings. I mean, yeah, that's great. There's some tournaments that really works. But then it's a minimum of three days. It used to be a minimum of five days at, at where it was plus eight. And there's just like, we're not seeing the big changes. So, and again, I'll go back to saying, I understand if you think that I'm ungrateful. But believe me, I love what tennis has given me. I wouldn't have given it up. If you said that tennis is not changing for another 20 years... I wouldn't have changed a day in the past because, you know, the people I've met, the things I've seen, it is an incredible life. I just think we have to move in the direction to not see the sport die out. That's a, such a bold statement. Yes. Um, on the, let's just talk about the men's side here for a second because of the fact that it's, it's at a I very... I don't have enough knowledge of the WTA <clears throat> tour i've heard from some women that it is even further behind mm, yeah. than atp in the way of thinking but again i can't speak on that topic because i'm not a part of it uh, i haven't spoken to so many people involved in it i i have heard that it is even further behind than the atp which is a sad thing to think about but we're still around the same problems we're dealing yeah, with the same right. issues so my, my point bringing up the men specifically yes. is just because of the fact that you have Obviously, the big three, two of whom you don't know how much longer. I mean, we've been saying that for five years, but right. you, you, two of whom. There will come to a point, yes. Yes, they're going to 
or on court in like eight hours <laughs> from now. But um, will will that be the time where it seems right for for a, a serious discussion about unionization and the idea of of players below the top ten actually being able to say we need more we need to be able to help ourselves financially so that we can actually play this game at the level we want to play. Yes. I mean, change will come when we, I mean, we were fortunate enough to have three, four, five of the best tennis players that the sport has ever seen and playing in the same generation. This has given us incredible finals of slams and, and whatever other tournament you can imagine. And tennis will take a hit. And this is not saying that the up-and-coming players that have made it as a, a Zverev or a Sissipas have not have a huge effect on tennis. But I think they can even agree it's not at the federal level yet. Or will we don't know if it will ever be at that level. I mean, we've gotten such unique faces and players that it almost covered every kind of geography. I mean, you've gotten, you know, the Federer, that, you know, stylish, angelic tennis player, ballerina dancing on the court. Then you have the Nadal, that's just this gritty fighter who's never going to give up a point. And then the insane athlete of Novak Djokovic and the Murray, who's just going to bully his way through a match. And you have these all covering all areas. Tennis is undoubtedly going to take a hit somehow what you're stating is an issue and not to put this on you mm. but it, i find is an issue that we're still thinking so small mm. i we have unions we have player unions have they given us some things you know where we see some advancement of course i'm talking about a full change of the sport and don't think that I'm ignorant. This is nearly impossible to do. In my head, obviously, it's much easier. When I'm putting it on paper, I'm like, there are so many moving parts to making this yeah. work. But at the same time, crazier things have been done. I just don't see much change being done by just voices. Actions need to take place. Okay. And with that being said, money doesn't come from nowhere. <laughs> that was like a double nugget. Money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And um, that I, I understand that. When people say we need more money, USC has to pay more, AT, I was like, yeah, it makes sense in reality, but it's not like their money's going, you know, we know where their money's going. They're, they're telling us where it's going. We just have to figure out a way to get more of it. We can't be taking their money. There's only so much that they have. Right. They're trying to do more. USA is always trying to do more. Maybe just the budgeting is off. You can argue that, but that's not our place to argue. We don't know 100%. I'm saying we have to build a foundation to acquire just more money. And that is where we have to make the sport a more fan-friendly environment. So what does that entail for you? <sighs> this hey. is the breakdown. So between making it better for the fans and the players, you need to somehow produce a team-oriented style of tennis going before that shorter seasons shorter matches we all know the 11 month season is an absolute joke right between tearing down our bodies and no other sport having something remotely close to how physical and mentally draining a year of tennis is it's absurd also the matches are just tearing us up and if you see by you know sometimes a lack of effort between points in sets, especially out of three out of five, undoubtedly, and, and within retirements and, and withdrawals, people are injured constantly. The game forces you to play injured. There's a lot that goes into that that takes away from the fun and excitement of tennis. You see, I mean, I am not the first person that out of a three out of five set match, you know, unless it's the Warinka Sissipas where they had this incredible match, you're going through this, you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's late in the second. It looks like they're about to split. I'll turn off the TV. I'll go to dinner. I'll come back in the fifth, and it's three on the fifth, and great. Now I can watch. 
tell me a TV network that wants to be paying to know that you're not going to watch over half of that match. Yeah. It's just not suitable. TV networks don't want to block off that time, and fans don't want to be watching it. You know, I, I was reading all these tweets about the Warinka and Sissy Boston, like, tennis won today and this. And I'm like, yes, it's great. It's a great match. But how many eight-year-old kids are sitting through this whole match? Right. I mean, how many times are you going to get that eight-year-old saying, Dad, I'm bored. Like, let's get going. I've seen a lot of tennis now. Yeah. I mean, and how many people, out of the people that said this was an amazing match, saw every single point? I have to figure it's lower than I think. I have to figure that they didn't sit through, what was it, four and a half? Sure. Something like that. Changes have to be made. So within that, I do think we should keep Grand Slams. I think they're incredible. They're profitable, obviously. Um, and they're just so much tradition behind them. I do think we can produce a way to have that team-oriented style that will allow you to somehow get ATP points throughout the matches, different levels, like within Premier League, like they have in soccer, where you can advance within the levels. But this, the team style takes away so much pressure, you know, to get hopefully expenses, some expenses, most expenses paid for you. You're part of a team. You don't have to worry about practice, hotels. You know where you're going to play. You know, to have these shorter matches such as the World Team Tennis, you know, Milan tried this with, you know, to have the three out of five sets to four with no ad. I mean, to have these shorter matches where we're not destroying our body, we're enjoying ourselves, the fans are enjoying the the quick play, and we're trying every single point. I mean, whether it's a single set we play or two out of three sets to four, whatever it could be just to shorten it, we're trying every single point. It's jam-packed tennis. We're not giving up anything. And, you know... we. We have a salary. We're part of a team. We hurt ourselves. We give ourselves some time to rest, like every other sport does. You know what other? You know I'm, I'm. You know watching whether it's basketball or football. You know they hurt their knee. Nothing crazy serious. They take a few games off, a week or two. Tennis players. And somebody are else like, fills the role. Right, and they're still getting paid for it. They're not worried that their safety net is going to go away. Yeah. Tennis players. Not only are they not going to get paid for those two weeks that they take off. There's a pretty high chance they're going to lose points and go down the rankings because you almost have points to defend every week. What other sport? What other sport is going to force you to play injured and make sure that you're going to lose out regardless of the outcome? Yeah. I mean, it is absurd what we have to go through day in, day out, what we have to think about during every process of tennis. That was insane. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just... And I know it's crazy because people are going to say you're taking the tradition away from tennis. And I get that. And maybe it's not realistic to think that you can have this team-oriented thing and still have Grand Slams in the mix. Tennis will always be tennis. The point within tennis, what you're playing within a point, will be remarkable regardless. There are things that have to just evolve in order to get fans supporting. You have to have cheering. Why are people being quiet? No 8-year-old or no drunk 29-year-old is going to be quiet. Uh, it's it's beyond me how we've done it in college. I've yeah, played with it in college. Right. The heckling, everybody screaming. It's an incredible atmosphere. We're just built to understand that you have to be quiet when you serve. We learned, we can learn it in a month to deal with noise. It's not a huge deal. In this way, the eight-year-old can be chanting and, and rooting. And we could be wearing jerseys with sponsors on it. And there'd be like, you know what, I'm going to get Federer's jersey, but Federer's on a team with Noah Rubens, so I want to get Noah Rubens' jersey, and now I know who he is. And now you're just supporting one another, you're getting to know everybody, you're rooting for the Long Island, whatever, because yeah. it's a team, and that's how you get people involved, and you be it becomes a, a festival of sorts, and, and, and you're putting tennis in a light of just extreme fun, where you can't find anywhere else. I have, I, I'm writing down some notes because I, I have questions, <laughs> multiple questions that have come out of that. Um, number one. Yes. What do you say to the tournament director in Washington that you're going to be taking away that person's tournament? And that tournament, the structure that's been there with the city open for, and I, I don't know how long it's been there, Indian Wells. How are you going to take that away? How are you going to take away the 250 in Atlanta? What do you say to those tournament directors who would sit there, hear you, and say, okay, if you guys are all doing all this team stuff, I, where's my tournament go? 
Right. No. I mean, that is a very difficult thing. These are people that have put their lives, I mean, their professions were for this tournament. Yeah. I have to say, and maybe I'm speaking out a little bit, I've, I've heard rumors that even a lot of 250s are not profitable. I've, I've heard rumors that there's a long way to go and a lot to be wanted at even the 500 level. I've played these tournaments um, that they're just not getting the fans that they want. Maybe they can have their own team. Maybe they're a part of the system. They could be somehow a part. People are going to get hurt. That is just inevitable. But we can't keep doing the same things. I can't keep playing 250s where I have 12 people watching me. I can't. I, I can't do it for myself. They can't have it where they're looking at their ticket sales of like, well, what just happened? I mean... You know, not to rip on anybody, the New York Open, we had we had 12 people show up. I, I This year, it was less than last year, I had some of the most for some of the, for the first round, and I had like 250 people. I mean, this is what happens, and it's not only the U.S. Yes, U.S. is the main problem right now. Looking at the Geneva Finals, it wasn't that much. I mean, we're looking at these matches, we're not getting people out. And I understand that effort is put into place, and livelihoods are at stake, but there's an issue. There's an issue that needs to change. There's a reason that seats aren't being filled. There's a reason that tennis is spoken for three minutes on ESPN and it's Federer and they move on. People are gonna get hurt, but that's that's always what change comes and, and innocent bystanders are in the way and it's a really tough system to get around and, and to make give everybody that safety net is nearly impossible. But with that comes you know, a greater outcome. I'm hoping. And this is all just spitballing in my yeah. head. Because we're getting hurt right now. Yeah. That, see, so this is, this is, I think, a, a really difficult question. Because you're coming at it from a player standpoint. And some people might hear this and say, okay, Noah values the players. Yes. Way more than some of the people, the support staff, the tournament directors who you know, been and give like you said, given their lives, uh, their careers, I should say, to to the sport in other ways. I would like to stop you and say, I would argue that ninety percent of them would say that they have given their lives and careers for us, though. That's hmm. my argument. Is that I they I and I bet they would say they've done it for the sport. But we are the sport, and so that's the question. Okay. I th that's what I'm getting. Okay, at. I don't. I mean. It's the whole argument, like, there's no sport without us, but yeah, that, yeah. that whole thing. Um, yes, I understand if I don't play tomorrow, number 176 will come in and take that spot. I understand that. But they have created paths to try to make tennis better, but it's trying to make tennis better for the fans and for us. And I think they've taken it to a max point where there is no pushing further than this unless true evolution takes place. That is my concern, that we have reached the capacity of what this system can hold, yeah. and there is no progressing from here unless there is a total breakdown of the sport. That is my worry, because I am looking, I am seeing tournament directors working really hard, and believe me, I respect what they do. None of the tournament directors anybody I have seen are tanking. They're not putting in just a solid, they are working day and night to do their best for their tournament and the players playing the tournament and the fans coming to watch their tournament. Always. I worry that they have reached, there is nothing more they can do financially. They don't have enough money to get it to a place. So where do you go from here now? Like if you're trying to stay within the same system, doing the same things, I don't know what's next. I yeah. don't know how to stay within this system and try to you know, push the sport past the limits because there's nowhere to go. The, the, there's a wall that is unbreakable because of the guidelines that you have to follow and everything that takes place that I think we've done all we can within this. It's, it's a hard, hard situation because, I, again, you're, when you put the humanity part of it, yes. which is something that you're, you're talking about all the time with Behind the Racket, but you're talking about the humanity of some of these people who will lose their jobs. Yes. Um, and that is not an easy, that's not an easy thing. No. I have to disagree with saying, I don't know, there might be a spot in this new system yeah, for sure, everybody sure. Of course, that, yeah, of course. you know, that, that is my thought that this will grow and develop into a sport 
that even has space for more people. That is yeah. the hope that within this new system, there is room for more. That nobody will really lose out. Maybe they'll lose out on the baby that is the city open. I'm just yeah. in quotes. It could be whatever tournament. But there is room. And and if they truly love the sport, I don't think anybody would look me in the eyes right now and say tennis is in a good place. Okay. I, I, I think people can argue it. I, I think, you know, I see the tweets where tennis won today and, and we have this and that and it's great. I'm talking to the people that are playing through behind the racket. People are upset with the sport. I'm talking to players. Some are in the top 100. Some are right outside. Yes, it's it's mostly 75 and above. I, I, I'm talking to these players. I'm talking to the people that are, are giving their livelihoods for their sport and they are disappointed. I, I will completely agree with you. Again, I see most of the same people you do. Right. Not, not too many of them are just happy with how life is for them. No, and many of them will say, I'm okay with it because I don't know what else to do. Yes. And I don't know where to go from here. And it's not my place to make it better or complain about it. So I will continue to do what I'm doing until I retire and I do X, Y, and Z. I hope that you have a great, great couple of weeks and it, your life has changed. Yes. But for the 99.99% of us, which are the people that I will go to a club in wherever, and I'm like, wait, I played with you a few years ago. And they're like, yeah, I, you know, I got hurt. I was 31. And I was like, I didn't really have time to get back into it. And I finished my career with $10,000 in my bank account. And that's really solely because I played like world team tennis or club tennis. And I'm like, that is so sad. Yeah. That is so sad. Taking it into a different direction, how do you structure where the teams would be? It is not as easy as, say, the uh, baseball no. uh, or even even Premier League that you've mentioned, which obviously with there there are the what is it UEFA Cup that yeah. that it incorporates. You know, I I see it being somewhat of a soccer mentality. You know, and obviously. MLS is a little further behind than some of the other things. Yeah. I don't know specifics, so don't quote me on everything. Um, but soccer-wise, I think the MLS is you know, not in the same spot that European leagues are at. But I can see it having this feel of soccer where there is a league within the U.S. and there is a league in Europe, and and they'll mix sometimes. And maybe maybe throughout the world, you know, that you have the Washington Lasers playing against the you know, Japanese, whatever, and you have these teams mixing, but you're you're playing within your region, and I see that, and and I know you'll lose out on that same old draw where everybody from every country plays, you know, in that tournament, you're playing the best people all the time. You know, do we need that all the time? Is that something where we could still have the slams where there is a point system where you can gather points and still play the slams. And it's similar where you could still have that four times a year because, you know, I think people would be just as happy if it's only four times a year and we could play and you can watch. God, look at the Labor Cup. Mm -hmm. Look at all these other sports. I mean, even in the U.S., in Chicago, they sold out the stadium. People were so excited to have these guys playing with each other given it was all the best guys in one team right, and right, all the right. best guys in the world. And I get that. But you're telling me if it was Federer, me, Marn Redlicky on a team, people wouldn't come out? Of course, just to watch Federer. Then they learn about us. I, I think there's ways to just build that attraction to still have the beauty of the Grand Slams. and But to have this configuration where you have leagues within the within U.S., you have leagues in Asia, you have leagues in Europe, and there's a tournament system, and you can move up in the rankings as a team, and you can find yourself playing like a world championships yeah. of sorts. But you're with the team. It's not as lonely. You're getting a salary. Sponsors want to be a part of it. I think there's so much to be said for having that team relationship at times. And it's lost within tennis. God, I mean, how many people love Davis Cup? Yeah. How many people love the Labor Cup? I mean, And how many people were disappointed with how the change Changes happened. made yeah. within Davis Cup. And, and yes, World Team Tennis has had issues with success financially. But that's just because of the backing and everything. But... When it's done well, whether in wash, I mean, people love it. They eat it up. I mean, it's just quick action packed one set. You're getting singles, doubles, mixed, women's, men's. You're having fans screaming. It's so much fun. It is just so much fun. You go to a challenger, you have top 100 players playing. 
you have three courts going on at the same time. You have, you know, 200 fans, maybe. And it's like, yeah, okay, that was fine. That was a good day. People pull out. You know, you have that one guy that pulled out. You have another guy that retired. You bought a ticket for this. It's like, there's so much up in the air. There's so, there's so much instability, instability with the sport of tennis that's just not conducive for growing the sport, for getting the entertainment factor. I don't know. Drink some water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to take care of you. And I also, we're at 45 minutes already, um, and I wanted to make sure we do limit this to about an hour because, frankly, that when you talk about viewing time and things of that nature, yeah, people don't necessarily want to listen for two hours to to. Especially me speaking. I, I get that sometimes. <laughs> um, something else you, you talked about, though, um, and this is this has always been a, kind of a difficult one, I think, for players to talk about, frankly, is um, you, you just mentioned 10 minutes ago about the idea that there are moments within matches where you are essentially taking points off or, you know, ends of sets and you're just kind of like, well, you know, and... and and it kind of just brings up this idea of, of tanking. Yes. I want to talk about it more in a global sense in this, this last 10 or 15 minutes because okay. you obviously get so much hate, as does every player, about, you know, well, you lost today, so you're obviously tanking, <laughs> taking money. Yes. Um, this, is, this is what I think is one of the fundamental problems in that you are playing how many weeks a year? 32, 33, somewhere in that yeah, range, 30, roughly? Yeah, 32 if you're playing... You know, this is, I mean, we've talked about this. I've spoken to other people. Unless you're at the top 20, maybe 30, you don't always get to choose your schedule. You don't always have the luxury of saying, A, I'm going to get truly far in most of the events that I'm playing. And B, my ranking's at a point where I can choose from any event I want to play and I'm going to get seated. When you're especially from 75 on, especially 100 on, you're playing what we said 30 to 33 weeks a year, which the sport forces us to play because, you know, we're not going to do well every week. We have to take the average of our weeks yeah. and say, you know, out of, 30, out of 30 weeks, let's make it even. Five, three to five are going to be really great weeks. We'll go five to eight more weeks of average, maybe even more, and the rest are going to be eh or nothing. Yeah. And that's how a ranking is built. And that's what the sport of tennis produces. So when people think we're tanking because A, we're getting money, which most of us are not, or B, where we just don't care, that is so far from the truth. There are some days... I can speak for myself and many others that we wake up as tennis players and say, I don't have it in my body. Yeah. I don't have it in my mind to compete at the level that tennis is forcing me to compete at. Most of us are not gifted with height of six foot 11. Sorry to point out Riley Opelka <laughs> that can wake up and hit 44 aces in a day. I don't think I hit 44 aces in my lifetime so far. Well, I, he, let me let me yes. just stop you here and say I I know Riley well enough to know that he doesn't exactly enjoy it all the time either. No, not and I at don't all. think he would yes. un be uncomfortable of with course. me saying that. My my question to you and and the way I wanted to ask it was of those 33 weeks yes. in which let's say on average you play either two or three matches a week yes. of singles. Of those, so let's say 66 to 99 matches a year, how many times do you think you were Not admittedly giving a hundred? Ad, ad, how many times were you admitted? Would you admit that you were a hundred percent involved and on, on it? And I, I'm using you as an average player, and I think right. that's a tough question. But say, let's say you played probably 70 matches last yes. year. Yes. How many of them do you think you were probably 100%? Playing 70 matches last year, you would have to hope half, maybe? You'd, ho you'd hope. You would hope. You would hope. Uh, it's tough to think about all the matches that I played. Yeah, sure. I would say less than half was I going on court feeling 100% ready. And I would say that that's probably an accurate statement for most, yeah? And I'm not, yes, yeah, 100%. For people that are, I would even say 75 and 
below. 75 yeah. plus. Yeah. That's usually the number I like using is most matches, whether you're playing great or you're putting 100% effort, that's irrelevant. How much effort you really have to give is less than 100%. That's due to travel. That's due to scheduling. That's due to how many tournaments you're playing in a row. I mean, I'm talking to people that are in away from home, let's say, eight weeks at a time. They're like, it was great. You know, I sent me the second tournament. Then it was like first, 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 second. Then I got a quarter again and another semi. And I was like, what like five first rounds? Like what happened during those times? And I'm not saying that if you went for just two tournaments, you would have semi and quartered. Because again, it's an average. You're going to feel better on just random days. But that's what the sport forces. It produces the system where you're not at a place. You're not at any place to play 100%. And everybody's like, oh, Federer looks great. Yes, he is amazing. You know, he's 37. He's doing, he's winning Grand Slams, whatever. Not only does he have this support system that makes him feel amazing, he's playing 12 tournaments a year. Right. You know, he's revved up for that tournament, which is what I used to do in juniors. When I was in juniors, my father was like, you're only going to play X, Y, and Z. You're going to play like 10 tournaments a year. And I did great. When you get into the pros, you have this notion, which is for the most part been to be true that you have to play more tournaments to get the success you need and you have to just play 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 we're seeing that this leads to some really awful tennis matches i mean yeah you might find a way to just get consistent you could be like a jordan thompson who i saw last year you know going through just matches where no offense to jordan thompson you know he's a really great guy he looked miserable sometimes he looked absolutely miserable but he found a way to fight through some of the matches and you know, he's stronger than most of us. Yeah. But with that being said, for the most part, for most of the people, and even if you're having a tough year, you're not finding this 100%. You're finding times where you're like, how am I stepping on the court today? How yeah. am I managing to get even 75 of my best tennis, my best physicality? How am I getting anything to play this, you know, match at any level? And, it it and feels like uh, when you look at your iPhone and you say how much what's my battery operating right. at like mine right now is at 77 percent, and i feel like that's that's pretty good like if you're a tennis player when i'm going yeah if i go into like the second third match of the tournament and i'm feeling at like 85 percent, i'm like wow like this this could be a good week like i, I could really feel God, when i'm like three weeks into it like i'm on my third tournament of, of a circuit of a spread of tournaments and i'm like i'm feeling great right now my body's a little sore a little being up I'm a little tired from traveling, you know, all these other issues came about. You know, I could be entering that tournament the first match with 70%, and maybe I gain a little bit throughout the tournament, but we all go through this, and it is just awful. And this is where injuries come about. This right. is, and worst of all, which a lot of people are dealing with, maybe it's not full, but there's depression, there's, there's alcohol abuse, there's all these other things that come about because it's what they found as the only ways of coping. Yeah. with the issues on tour and it's really sad that this is how it's gone and you know that's why i feel that the changes that you know i see maybe there's definitely different ways of doing it and going about it but they're necessary they're necessary for the players within the sport they're necessary for the fans and i think it could be a win-win because right now i think a lot of people are losing out and the sport is not getting you know the knowledge and you know not getting recognized like it should and and it leads to you know players having these major issues we're uh right up against the one hour mark very close um so i wanted to end with the way you welcomed me into the room uh this evening um tell the story about about the bag you've got i think where did you put it yes i put yeah. it over there yeah tell me that story um and tell everyone that story about what, what's happened to you this week because yes it's yes. tough out here but then you have these moments and that's why what I'm doing, I always want to share these moments. I want to, you know, shine a light of them and, and show how great the sport can be. You know, this one of the drivers for the tournament, you know, she overheard. I, I was needing a ride and she heard my name, Noah. And she's like, are you Noah Rubin? I don't get that very often. So I turned around and I was like, I, I am Noah Rubin. And she's like, are you looking for a ride? First of all, I was like, yes. And she's like, I also know a little bit about you. And... 
she just said her name was Goldenberg, and she's like, you know, one of the tribesmen. Yeah. We're both <laughs> Jewish, and instantly a connection, as all Jews may know. But beyond that, you know, we were talking the car for 15 minutes because it's a three-minute drive from the Corso right, Hotel, right, so right. we're in the parking lot, um, and we're talking, and and she's just, you know, sharing all her thoughts because I was curious about the Jewish population in Little Rock, which there is not, you know, it's not a large population. Yeah, and she's like, she's doing all this work, but she was so happy to meet me and see my pride for you know Judaism and and how how much I, I respect the culture and how I want to show my pride and everything like that. And she sent me a text today saying, I left something for you. And it was challah bread, which, you know, it's a custom for um, Jewish people to have this kind of braided bread and it's delicious. Most people should know it. And she left a note saying, and it was in a shape of a peace sign saying that we all need peace on court and in our lives. And, you know, it's just really those things for her, it might have been really a small act, which she said it was, but for me, it will stick with me for the rest of my life. I mean, this is somebody, a connection I've made in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm from Long Island. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a life that I changed and she changed mine and a connection that we've made, and that's something that you can never put a price on. So regardless of all the changes that need to take place and the money that I feel I'm losing out on, this is something that is priceless and, and will always stick with me and you know it, it almost it, it's so heartfelt and how organic and true this is and what we really miss in the world a lot but you know for me to be in a hotel that's not at home but to have this sense of home with somebody now because you know she took me in almost um yeah that, that's i'm speechless for it i'm i'm a little disappointed that we did go an hour here um, and Martin Redlicky did not walk in um, <laughs> to really give us a, a completely different take on, on the sport and, and, and everything. Yeah, he probably would have told me to stop talking about 45 minutes ago, but it would have been a really boring podcast <laughs> after that. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a good guy. Yes. I, I do like him quite a bit. Um, okay, so there's a lot to take out of this podcast here. Um, I know you and I have talked a little bit about doing a podcast about some of these bigger issues on a more regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, if, if people have questions, have thoughts, suggestions, I know you're not the most social media interactive. Um, I, I would say with fans mostly because for so many players, it's right. horrific, terrible, awful things. What wh how, I would how like to say that, I am open to everything. You ask me a question, I promise I will answer honestly. I will give you my feedback. I will, in any light possible, I'll tell you the truth from my heart. So please. <laughs> my, my, my question though is if people have thoughts, questions, yes. you welcome them. You're welcoming them. Anything, negative, positive towards me, I answer almost everything except for if it's hate mail. Yeah, sure. If it's just a question, if it's a negative against me, I'll answer it. If you have something against something I just said, I'll love to talk to you about this. I just want to get people into the mindset of change, mm -hmm. into the curiosity, just getting the blood flow going. Ask me, ask you through me, ask yeah. you. We'll talk about it. Just let's let's start talking. I think people need to just start talking. Uh, so the last thing I'll you know throw your way. Um, I'm a little fat. Uh, mm. in my life uh, so I just today uh, frankly while in your in your room while watching <laughs> this this whole FIFA thing I bought a ball machine because mm. uh, I've got the tennis court yes. uh, in, in the new condo association in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, God bless Tulsa um, what am I going to need to do to kind of get back in shape uh, when all I have is a tennis court and a ball machine and I'm going to let you just have at it uh, what do I need to do what what am I what drills am I running? I mean, you know, tell me how to be happy on a tennis court. I don't want to go too deep into this right now, <laughs> but people have done a lot more with a lot less, okay. and that's how I'm gonna end it okay. <laughs> with fake words of wisdom for that awful way to end this there's, podcast. There's there's this there's this little I don't know it's it's not it's I don't like even know what you bought. Uh, it's a tennis tutor machine. I didn't okay. get the lobster because they're all battery operated. Can and the it change direction? Yeah, it oscillates. Just go back and forth like 500 times. And the, there's the, the it's a hard right to like 230. I, 
it would explode. Well, that's I mean, a start. No, because that's it, where that, you start. That's the end. That's literally the end. People say the end is the beginning, though. <laughs> that's metaphysical, and I, I'm done at that point. That's how we're ending it. Uh, Noah, thank you. Uh, I did appreciate the the time today, uh, both on the microphone and off of it. Uh, it was it was an enjoyable day. Um, this has been the first podcast I've actually done in like two months. Uh, hopefully, we'll try to do some. These forty eight draws are killing me, man. Yeah, they... the amount of time I'm I'm spending watching you, you schmucks. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's not entertaining enough to be doing it. So, so, so basically, what what needs to happen is a rain delay, a washout day every tournament, and then maybe I can actually do a podcast or two. During the U.S. summer, you're you're bound for that, so you'll be okay. That's what I thought during the spring. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, so again, thank you to our sponsor, New Balance. Visit them, newbalance.com, to check out everything in all white uh, for for the Wimbledon summer. And then, of course, they'll have everything new for the U.S. Open coming up in the next couple of months. Um, and we'll be back, hopefully, Winnetka, second week of July. And we'll have some more podcasts for you. Oh, wait a minute. I even think about it. I'll be at the Tulsa Futures. Podcast galore at the Tulsa Futures coming up in a couple of weeks. So for Noah Rubin, Mike Cation signing off. You've been listening to the Coffee Cast with Cation.